Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Witt. With me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. And we have a one of our, actually, probably our favorite guests. USA Today Cincinnati Inquirer beat writer for the Cincinnati Reds, middle inning game commentator extraordinaire, and probably best of all, brand new papa, Mr. Bobby Nightingale Jr. How are you, sir? Doing well. I'm going to tell Adam Baum you said I was favorite guest. That's all what right. A diss to, what a diss the elder right there. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You go ahead and tell him. I'll tell him he's my favorite guest when he comes on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we almost had to have him on tonight as well because of the news that happened with Xavier basketball tonight. But anyway, I, w- I, w- I will say of all the uh, news that broke this week, like you had all the Reds news, the Travis Steele thing shocked me more than anything Reds related. The like that stunned that me. Won. The fact that they won is the craziest part of that whole thing. It's got to be the only thing that makes sense to me is they there's a coach out there. They didn't want to get away. So they went ahead and got made it happen so they could start talking to that coach right now and making something happen. But that's for a different time, different, different world, because I've got my <laughs> thoughts on who it should be as a Xavier fan. Uh, but I don't know how much you know about it, but unless you got some in, some intel. No, just, it, just knowing Xavier's history and how they don't fire coaches, it just shocked me that they actually pulled the trigger. They've never fired a coach in my 38 years of being alive. Really? Never fired a coach. Wow. Every coach is either left on their own for something better or just left, like Bob Sack. So, no, never happened. So, anyway, craziness, craziness on the Xavier front, but probably even more craziness on the Cincinnati Reds front, as I currently don't even know who our starting nine are anymore, starting eight. <laughs> I don't even know who it is anymore. Right, we've traded 90% of them away. So, Bobby, why don't we start off with, with going through these trades that just happened, how you feel, good, bad, or the other, starting with, I guess, the Sonny Gray trade. Yeah, I mean, that one, I, I wouldn't call it a straight salary dump. They've done those in the past. Bryce Iglesias for, you know, that, that one last offseason, straight salary dump. Tucker Barnhart, I mean, they were getting rid of that contract, giving that job to Tyler Stevenson anyway. That was a salary dump. I mean, the guy they got back, first-round pick last year's draft, they were planning to draft him if he was available uh, when their next pick came up. So, I mean, it wasn't like they gave him away um, unnecessarily. Obviously, they wanted to get rid of the lower payroll. You freed up $10 million by losing Sonny Gray. But I also do think, you know, knowing his injury history, knowing he's in the last guaranteed year of his contract, he's a club option. Um, I, I didn't think the return was terrible. Um, obviously, it stinks for this year. It makes the 2022 team a lot worse, not having Sonny Gray. Um, but I, I, I didn't think it was the worst trade in the world. Like, I saw some people on social media, like, what, what were you thinking? But it, to me, it was um, – I, I could understand the reasons with payroll – Unfortunately, that's has to be a big consideration for a lot of the moves they're making. Um, you know, it, it's one hand tied behind their back. Makes the 2022 team worse, makes the 2027 team better, maybe. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a lottery ticket, um, but first-round picks usually have a good success rate of at least making it to the majors. 
Yeah, I mean, a kid that throws like 95 to 100, from what I understand. Uh, and it sounds like he's he's got a huge upside, but he's 18 years old, so it's going to be a while before we see him, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he, I think he was up to 102 miles an hour, so it's kind of like a 100 green type situation. He was drafted in 2016, and it's 2022, and this is going to be his first year. Or maybe he was 20, drafted 2017, and 2022 is going to be his first big league season. And that seems like, you know, a success that it's happened as quickly as it did uh, for a guy who had Tommy John surgery, too. So, yes. I mean, you're talking at least five years probably before, um, unless he just is a complete stud and blows every expectation out of the water. You're talking about five years before best case scenario. Yeah. Bobby, I got a question for you. Are you a White Sox kind of guy or a Black Sox kind of guy? Uh, I like to mix it up, but. I prefer black. I'm a black Sox guy too. Low, low, below the, below the ankle. I'm a below the ankle. Adam is uh, just above the ankle. Or are you like the mid to high guy? I'm like the mid to high. Like I used to be low, like, like yourself, but I, I hate when it slips down and you got to reach down to pick it. Like to uh, me, that's gets, yeah. when it gets below the heel, Oh, it's the worst. Underneath the shoe, I hate that. You got to stick your whole hand inside the shoe and your foot's still in it. Oh, it's the worst thing. Take my shoe off most of the time. I got to take it off most of the time. All right, so uh, speaking of Hunter Green, uh, this obviously is going to be the year that he's going to get an opportunity, but they bring in Mike Miner with the Amir Garrett trade, uh, who's obviously going to be one of the starting pitchers. They would never make that move unless he's going to be part of the rotation. So is Hunter Green going to be the fifth starter on this team? I mean, he's in competition for it. I don't think they're going to just give it to him outright. I mean, it's not like he completely dominated AAA last year. He did dominate AA for sure. Um, but AAA, there were some struggles. So, I mean, if, if he has a good camp, if he earns it, um, I, I don't think there'll be any hesitation. Like, I don't think it's uh, want to keep him down for service time. Like, I do think there's some developmental stuff with his off-speed pitches that have to happen. But I, I, he, he's one of the – there's a big competition for the fifth starter spot. He's as talented as any of them in the competition. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's his to lose, but um, definitely, like, at the forefront of that competition. All right, so who are the, who are the uh, front runners for that fifth spot? Yeah, probably Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, although he hasn't pitched at AAA at all yet, so he, he's probably a little bit lower on there. Uh, Reaver San Martin, he pitched, he did two starts against the Pirates at the end of last season, uh, left-hander. That's probably Justin Dunn they got from Seattle in the uh, Winker and Suarez trade. He has shoulder issue. So, I mean, he, he's a guy that um, maybe in like May I could see in the rotation, but um, probably not ready for the start of the season. Uh, so probably Green, Lodolo, some of the non-roster guys, like they have Zach Godley, maybe, maybe he – has a great camp, but it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a short camp starters only going to get, you know, three, four appearances in spring training games, let alone start. So um, I, I think the rotation is pretty much set. It's just, I, I, I'm sure they'll give it a week or two before they say this guy is our number five starter. Maybe it'll just become clear. Uh, but I, I mean, just the fact you have such a short spring, I, I don't think there can be too many options you go to. Yeah, that's the that's the most exciting part of spring training for me and the start of this season now, since, you know, probably wins are, are, are going to be hard to come by maybe uh, 
is the Nicodolo Hunter Green thing. I, 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 I was actually excited to maybe possibly see both of them in the rotation this year, but with Mike Miner, the addition of Mike Miner, but, you know, inevitably there are always injuries and, or guys that don't perform well after a while and they got to make a change. So I, I imagine, do you, do you imagine we see both at some point this year in the rotation? I do. I mean, assuming both of them are healthy, um, like you mentioned, I mean, no team goes an entire 162 with only five starters. Usually you need eight or nine. So at some point, I, I do think you're going to see them both. Um, and also, you know, Brandon Williamson, they that's kind of the he's the main guy they got back for the Winker Suarez trade. Um, he's rated just as highly as Lodolo and Green. Um, another left hander played at TCU, a former college teammate of Lodolo. Um, but a top 100 prospect. So, I mean, you're looking at those three, and then Graham Ashcraft is kind of the the fourth, a little bit behind them just because he hasn't pitched a AAA yet. Um, but you have four starters that three of them are rated top 100 prospects. The fourth is kind of on the edge of that. Um, you know, the, the prospects are prospects for a reason. But if you look at if half of them become impacts big league starters, um, you know, that's huge for the rotation, especially – um, since they're keeping Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray for at least the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have an idea about the – so we, we talked about the trades. We have an idea about the guys that are going to be in the, in the starting rotation. Um, the outfield is – is because I, I let, let's before we even do that, really the infield's kind of easy, right? You're going to have Joey Votto, Jonathan India – uh, Moustakas at third, and then is is Barrero the guy at shortstop for sure, or is there a, I guess between he and Farmer, is that still a battle, or are they going to give it to Barrero, or what? It'll be a battle, but I think just going into the season, I mean, the expectations, obviously, the team still has high expectations, but realistically, I mean, this is going to be a rebuilding year, or at least a transition year, so I think you got to see what you have with Jose Barrero, no matter what. I mean, they've if it's not shortstop, you have to start him every day instead of like he needs to be an everyday starter at some position. And for me, if you have a good shortstop, um, if he has all star potential, this is the time to figure it out when the team's not expected to be a World Series contender. So to, to me, he's the front runner to get it. Um, David Bell says Kyle Farmer and Barrero's going to have to earn it to earn his way. But um, if Barrero is as good as everyone thinks he is. Um, I do think he'll earn it, and I do think he'll be your everyday shortstop at the beginning of the year. Okay, so you mentioned very briefly that if he's not, he may get an opportunity in the outfield. So, so okay, Jesse Winker's gone. Nick Castellanos is gone. Who is next? Is Nick Senzel going to be healthy? Is it going to be Barrero in center field? Shogo, Shogo's got the, had the hamstring injury. Is he healthy enough to come back yet? Who's the outfield? Yeah, I, all those guys are healthy. I mean, Senzel, I think, is your starting center fielder. Um, right field, probably Tyler Naquin. Um, left field, Jake Fraley is the guy who they got back from the Mariners in the, mm -hmm. the Winkler trade. He's very good against hitting uh, right-handed pitching, not very good against hitting left-handers. So probably like a, a platoon there, maybe R.C. Zucchino gets him at bats. Um, I, I think Shogo right now, he's probably starting as like the fifth outfielder which when you have a DH in the league is a, a low place to be. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's going to have to earn his way back. The problem with him is, and, and he's a, he admits as much, I mean, he hasn't hit. And if you're not, especially if you're going to have zero homers, 
you have to be a guy that gets on base a 400 on base percentage. And he hasn't been that. Um, so unless, until he hits, I mean, he's a fine defender, um, teammates like him, but it's just one of those, you have to be able to hit your way into the lineup and he hasn't done that yet. So to me, the outfield is Fraley, Senzel, Naquin, Aquino figure into it. And I think they'll add an outfielder. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a weak outfield on paper. Uh, you know, Senzel and Naquin especially have long injury histories. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely think they'll add to that at some point before opening day. Bobby, you uh, you recently got married over the last year, a year and a half now, a couple of years. Going yeah, on year and a half. Yet? Year and a half. Uh, are you a gold ring kind of guy? Do you go with the metal, one of the other metals that are like a silverish color or one of the new, the new trend of the rubber ring? No, I'm a silver, silver guy. Yeah, all right. Nice, oh, nice. nice. Well done. Well done. I'm a flesh guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. So, um, so, so how long is Bell? So Bell's obviously going to be here for the next couple of years during this transition. Is he, is he shown or proven in any way that uh, once this transition or, or rebuild is done, that they're going to continue with him? throughout do you think his stay here will be longer than the next two years well, i think it depends how the next two years go he's under contract for the next two years That's what um means. you know expectations are a little bit lower now i mean i don't feel like the fan base is expecting them to be a playoff team this year but say they overachieve you know that that bodes well for him um he has history as like a farm director with the giants so he's used to working with young players i mean i think that's an advantage for him um but, I mean, I mean, a lot of it just depends. I mean, if these guys develop, if the organization's moving upwards over the next couple of years, um, you know, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo are at the top, top of your rotation. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things to build around India Stevenson. You know, I, I definitely think they'd keep going with it. I, I just think it depends on how the young guys do over the next couple of years. All right. So we didn't touch yet on, really, on the bullpen, really. After they traded Amir Garrett, and for some reason I was thinking Mike Miner might have been pitching in the, in the bullpen for Kansas City, but he was a starter. So, one left-hander's out. Who is – I mean, who's replacing him in the bullpen, and who are we looking at in this Reds bullpen this year? It's a great question. <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's, it doesn't look good on paper. I mean, I'll put it that – it started bad last year, and it feels that way again until – Carl's mentioned a, a bunch of times in the past few days that they're going to add to it. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if they sign a free agent or two to help out. But like Lucas Sims um, is back. Luis Sessa, who was excellent after the trade from the Yankees last year. Um, Justin Wilson's a left-hander veteran guy. Struggled last year, but was okay with the Reds. Just didn't pitch in big situations. Um, Art Warren, he was really good. And uh, he, he was hurt for part of the season, but really good. Uh, when he wasn't hurt, Jeff Hoffman will be back. Um, Tony Santion, if he's not in the rotation, he's, he, he looked like he was pretty good in the bullpen, kind of had that bulldog mentality. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's a lot of question marks. I mean, you're talking the guys I listed, I mean, half of them are, you know, don't have much experience in the bullpen. So, um, could be, it could be an ugly year if they don't add at least a couple arms there. 
Well, they've got plenty of room in the in the uh, in the cat or the uh, whatever you call it now <laughs> in the budget, I guess. In the budget. No, they yeah. just got the budget. Yeah, that's what no, Nick Carl's just saying. We just got ourselves to budget. They're where they need to be now. So now I guess we uh, it's pretty much. I don't know what to think after that. If we're at budget right now, bud, we're gonna we're gonna be struggling for the next couple of years for sure. See, that was the thing that I was confused about with the Amir Garrett trade. Was I know he's arbitration eligible. You're gonna have to pay him, but. Mike Miner's making $10 million a year this year, right? I mean, I, I was kind of confused about getting rid of some of these bigger salaries and then bringing on Mike Miner, who's fine. He's, he's not a bad pitcher or anything like that, but he's 34. He's making $10 million a year. I thought we were going in the opposite direction here. I, I mean, what's what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of different move than the last two. I mean, they added payroll for this trade. Um but I think part of it is one, he's a guy who he's kind of like a workhorse guy. I mean, he's going to make 20 some starts. Usually he's been durable, um, 150 to 200 innings for a team that's going to rely on like Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo. Nick Lodolo only threw 50 innings last year. Hunter Green, I think Max Stallard at 110. So, I mean, those guys, are, they're not going to throw 200 innings this year. Um, you're going to have injuries. So I think it was important for depth, important for saying, you know, we don't have to open opening day with three prospects in our major league rotation. And if they get hit around, we have nothing else to do, but, you know, kind of watch them get hit. So I think it's one, you, you kind of force them to earn their spots in the big leagues, which they will. I mean, they're talented. Um, so that'll come. And also just, he, he, he's going to eat innings for you. Um, but I, I think that's kind of the main takeaways is just, he, he does provide some things. And also, you know, he, he pitched in college under Derek Johnson. He went to Vanderbilt. Um, he kind of fits like the high spin rate type of guys that they targeted. Um, so, I mean, if he say he has a great first half, um, wouldn't be shocked if he's on the trade market, if the team's struggling and um, you try to trade him for good prospects at the trade deadline too. Yeah. Because this is his, this is his only year here, right? The, the, the following year, I think next year, he would make he, there's like a thirteen million dollar club option or something like that, right? I can't imagine they keep him around for that, right? Yeah, I mean, the the only way I could see them keeping him is if trade deadline somehow they're in the playoff race, um, and and you just play out the season. But um, to to me, I mean, if this is a fourth place team, you, you have to trade them at the trade deadline. Yeah. I am. I'm sure that you get in your Twitter replies way more than I even see the fan base going nuts about wanting Bob Castellini to sell the team and all this stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. So I think that's good. We, we think the same thing here, I think. I, I'm trying – I don't know why, honestly, but I'm naturally trying to come up with a way to defend that, to defend Bob Castellini um, or Nick Crawford. I mean, I guess maybe that's my question. Is Bob Castellini going to Nick Crawl and saying, we need to cut this by this much. This is our number we need to get it to. Do whatever you need to do to do that. And then Nick Crawl has the bad uh, job of having to trade away all these guys that fans love and, and are productive players for 18-year-olds that aren't going to be ready for a while and that kind of thing. Is that the way it's going? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, there's a budget, and, you know, every team has their own. Unfortunately, for some reason, I mean, the Reds going into 2020, they signed Castellanos, signed Miley, uh, Shogo and Moustakis. Payroll at that time was supposed to be like $145 million that year. 
Um, pandemic hit, 60-game season, no fans, completely backtracked. I mean, you went from all-in in 2020 to dismantling this team in 2022. Um, unfortunately, I mean, that's a, that's a payroll issue. Um, it's lower now. I mean, it, you're, I think it's probably around 100. Um, I can't imagine it was 120 last year. can't imagine it's above 110. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think people judge kind of the moves that Nick Crawls made, but I've, a lot of them have been hand behind your back. Like, um, you know, it doesn't make your team better. And Nick Crawl, um, I, I don't think he's tried to make the argument the other way, that like putting Wade Miley on waivers was a baseball move that was going to help the team win more games. Uh, you know, trading Tucker Varnhart for a low A player, you know, in, in a perfect world, you keep him around and, um, you know, maybe Tyler Stevenson's the starter, but it's not like you can't have a good backup. So, I mean, th there was a lot of moves this offseason that um, it, it was payroll related. I mean, even like Jesse Winker and a. Eugenio Suarez, um, you know, in a perfect world, after an 83 win season, you don't have to trade away and uh, maybe you lose Cassianos as a free agent, but it's not like you have to tear down the roster. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, a big part of the Seattle Mariners trade was if you can get out of Torres's contract, um, you know, then you're able to do kind of these things where you sign a, a, a trade for Mike Miner, sign a Donovan Solano, and, um, you, you know, you have some more money to spend on other free agents and try to fill holes that way. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of just, the way it was with Castellini, it's just he went from all in to now they don't want to spend. It's it's the way the Reds it's I mean, it's if you're a Reds fan, you just got to know that that's how it's going to be. I don't like I mean, we're not the Yankees. We're not the we're not the Dodgers. We're not going to have a three hundred million dollar payroll. It's not going to happen. And if you think that they should be doing that, then you don't understand how the Reds organization has to has to do business. Right. So. I don't like the fact that everybody's trying to get rid of, I like Bob Castellini. I think he, I think he really did. Like you said, he went all in in 2020 and that was the team he's going to get when he gets close, he'll put money into it. But unfortunately as Reds fans, Zach Cozart out here apologizing to Reds fans. He hasn't played here in what? Seven, six years, him and his little donkey that he got from Votto. <laughs> they, uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't think he's got any room to say anything. I get maybe he didn't want to leave. Nobody wants to leave, but it's business, and you have to run it like a business. And until everybody understands that, you can't just sign people because you, they're your favorites. Like Billy Hamilton. This guy over here wish we would have gave Billy Hamilton a 20-year, $200,000 million contract because he could steal base every now and then. <laughs> well, to you me, know, that's, that's the weird thing is, like, he went from the last rebuild – like he kept Frazier too long. He kept a lot of these guys too long. I mean, it zapped their trade value. Um, you know, Billy Hamilton, I, I think Bob Castellini's admitted it. Like, I don't want, I didn't want the front office to trade him because I wanted our fans to be able to see them. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what's changed from that Bob Castellini. That's like, we need fan value. We got to have those guys to now you're without Sonny Gray, Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, Amir Garrett, like these very popular faces. Um, but I'd also say, like, I, I, I understand the fan sentiment, like I understand sell the team and the frustration behind it. But I also would counter with the Reds had a league average payroll the last three years. It wasn't like 
you look at Pittsburgh. I mean, their payroll is like $40 million. Cleveland's like 60. Uh, Miami's is always really low. Like it, there, there's a very further bottom that this could have gone. Um, you know, Nick Kroll, by saying they have more room to spend, that means it's still going to stay around 100. Now, the frustrating part is this was a playoff team in 2020, an 83 win team in 2021 that was the first team out of the playoffs. Why can't you add to it? Why can't you build it? You still have a bright future. Um, you just could have spent the next two years. And then, you know, as Green and Lodolo and those guys come in, payroll could naturally go down when you those guys earn starting spots. Um, why that couldn't happen, I don't know. That's the frustrating part. But I also think it could be a lot worse. Like, I, I, I don't think they're tanking. I don't think they're going into this 10-year rebuild. Like, they're not going to lose 110 games like the Orioles and the Pirates do um, and stay that way for year after year while building up draft picks. I do think it could be they're bad for two years. Um, and then you have all the young guys in your rotation you want. You still have in Jonathan India. You still have Tyler Stevenson. Um, you know, it sucks timing-wise for Joey Votto's career. Um, finally has a great season, and then the team takes a step backwards. But, um, yeah, I, I just – I understand all the sentiments. I think it could be a lot worse. Um, so, so I'm kind of like in the middle of it. So you mentioned that you, you don't know uh, what happened to the old Bob Castellini with his – with, you know, keeping some players too long. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. Could one thing that maybe change a fellow like Bob Castellini in odor be the fact that they just went through this lockout and maybe he's he that's enough to uh, put in his brain, okay, I need to run this more like a business and not so much a uh, fan sentiment kind of team? No, because I think they were headed that way. I think the biggest thing that changed was the pandemic. I mean, everyone lost money. Obviously, you know, the money they're losing is not relative to what the average person, how, how badly they were affected by the pandemic. But you don't become that level of millionaires and billionaires by accepting losing money. So I, I, I think that was kind of like a course correction for, um, you know, probably a lot of companies and a lot of people. And unfortunately, he's treating it that way. Um, I, I just think the frustrating thing is you had that rebuild already. Fans were frustrated from 2014 to 2019. 2020, that was a really good team on paper. Um, they couldn't hit all year in the 60-game season. Um, but if they could hit, that was a great pitching staff with Bauer, Castillo, Gray at the top. So um, I, I, I just think the timing of it was what killed the Reds. No one could have predicted a pandemic, um, but it's a frustrating reaction to it when, you know, it's, it's not like you're losing money by owning a baseball team either. Sure. Now, uh, Bobby, I got to ask you. So uh, two months old, I believe, somewhere around that. I remember seeing a little picture of a little baby foot or a baby hand on the old tweet box from you. Yeah, uh, six weeks. Huggies, Pampers, or other? Uh, other. We've been using Honest. Oh, the Honest. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I'm terrible. I don't remember diapers, uh, thankfully for me, or about four years in the past. And uh, – <laughs> Trying not to think about him anymore, but I just, just thought I'd throw it out there. How Chris, is, Chris might be closer to wearing diapers than his kids are at this point. Probably, yeah, probably. How uh, <laughs> how is how is the how is the little one, man? Is everything going good? You getting sleep as a new dad? Uh, no sleep, but otherwise everything else has been great. Healthy babies, so healthy parents. But um, coming to Arizona was nice to to be able to sleep for a change. <laughs> 
Oh, I bet your wife is so happy that you're in Arizona right now. <laughs> Loves my answers. Yes. Yes. I guarantee it. Oh, goodness. Uh, so lockout, man. What, what did you do during the lockout? Yeah, I mean, just the timing of the baby. It's like, for me personally, it was perfect because it was just like, um, I, had, I had six weeks leave anyway. So took the six weeks off and it lined up perfectly when the time to come out here was. I was going to come out here anyway for uh, this week. Um, so now it's just a longer stay than usual. But um, it, was, it was perfect for me just having six weeks where I could take work work off and not feel guilty about it. Like there's no trades that could go down so or no free agent signing. So. No, wor- no worries about breaking news. So I'm sitting, I'm, I, I, I get the paper, I get the paper again, been getting it now for, for a few weeks, maybe, maybe a couple months. And I was telling my dad, I'm like, I, there's no, like, there's hardly any Bobby stuff in here anywhere. It's all, uh, what's his name? Charlie uh, Goldsmith. Yeah. Yeah. It's all Charlie Gold. I'm like, where, what is going on? I never even thought about the fact that you got to take a little leave, man. That's good. Take some time out for that little thing. Yeah, I was in hiding. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I do not blame you there. He's been hard at work the last week, though. I'll yeah. tell you that much. No doubt. Yeah, we're, we're making up for the 99-day lockout. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. You're getting – you got to put three and four stories together a night, I'm sure. Um, well, the tough thing now is, like, you don't – like, oh, I'd like to write this story today. And it's like, well – I'm nervous that person will be traded or a trade will make that irrelevant anyway. So might as well wait. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Do you expect any more trades to happen? Is anybody else at least significant going to be traded off this team? Do you think? I think it's possible. I mean, Carl said uh, Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley will not be traded. Uh, so, I mean, that those were the two guys that carry the most value, but you know, maybe say like, I wouldn't be shocked if like, say they gave the job to Jose Barrero and that made Kyle, Kyle Farmer available on the trade market or someone like that. I mean, just someone who found themselves out, out of a camp competition. Uh, but I, I don't expect any like blockbusters like Gino Suarez and Jesse Winker. That was, that was a major one. I, I don't see another one that just, unless Joey Votto demanded a trade uh, kind of shocking the fan base like that. Which he, which he kind of answered that question the other day um, that, he, you know, he, he, he was very classy about handling the way they're, they're doing this, like basically going through another rebuild and trading off all those guys that gave him a chance to win any games. Um, but, yeah, he, he's, never, he's never demanded a trade. He's ne- he said he's never even thought about it. Um, he's maintained all his entire career, even in the bad years, that he is, he, he's locked in for Cincinnati. Like, I'm, I don't know. It, it, it seems to me like a, like a hall of fame caliber player, why he would be so invested in Cincinnati. But well, I'm going to tell you a big thing, a big part of that. If you are a hall of fame caliber player and you know, you've had an MVP, but you've never won a world series. Uh, you really never even want a playoff series. And, and what is one thing that kind of, gives you another little bump, right? Staying with the same team for your entire career. That kind of separates people sometimes. You know, there are very few people that do that that are Hall of Famers. So maybe that's part of it. He's like, well, that gives me just a little bit more of an edge. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to do with this Hall of Fame case necessarily, but I do think it matters. Like, I've only worn one jersey in my entire career. 
I am the face of the Reds for the last 15 years. Like I owe it as a responsibility to see this thing through in Cincinnati. I do think that exists on some level, just kind of like a responsibility to the team and the city to say, um, you know, you guys stuck with me all these years. I'm going to stick with you. He's an old school kind of cat. And uh, I, I, I agree with you on that. He's, you know, one, one of those guys, it's like, my word is my bond. You know what I mean? Like I'm, you signed me to this contract and I'm not going anywhere and he's just not going to go anywhere. So I, I'm glad because I love Joey Votto and not just him on the field, which is amazing. And it took, he was ahead of the game when it came to on-base percentage and all that stuff uh, and, and ahead of the fan base. And I used to hate that more than anything when people would get on him, but he's also one of the funniest guys I've ever seen interviewed. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he's, he's unpredictable, I think in the best way, like, you know, the players that go through the cliches and um, you know, the boring team answers, but he, he's a guy that definitely can take it to a tangent and um, he surprises you. I mean, he's, he's, you ask a question and you generally don't know where he's going to take it sometimes, um, which I think is fun from a, a fan perspective. Are you guys doing Zoom interviews this year? You guys get back into a uh, press conference area, or what, what's what are they going to do this year for for the riders? Yeah, we're going back back in the clubhouse for the last few days, so oh, nice. back, to, back to normal. That's awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to, it makes your job easier. I assume doing the Zoom stuff is you know it gets a little sketchy on the on the catch back and forth and all that. So I, I hate listening to those interviews, the post game interviews on Zoom just doesn't seem natural. So I'm happy that you guys are back to, it's got to make your job easier. Yeah. hundred percent. Like spring training, especially just because that's like the games don't matter. Like it's kind of a relationship building time. Um, but I think the most important thing is on zoom, every writer that covers the reds, every TV station, we're working with the same interview. Like you can only repackage a five minute interview so many ways now it's like there's a variety of stories. What you read in MLB.com is going to be different than what you read in the Inquirer, different than what you read in the Athletic. Same thing with the TV stations. Um, so I think that's the, the biggest difference is we can have different types of stories, more variety, um, different things for fans to like, I think, um, than just kind of your cookie cutter, what's on Zoom. You know, the, everyone's going to be using the same quotes. So that, that part was frustrating the last couple of years because – it's not like you can make a story stand out when you're all working with the same stuff. Yeah. No doubt. All right, Bobby. So I think we did this last year, a number for wins that you think this is way harder. I feel like this year, do you have, do you have a record or a number of wins you're thinking? Uh, I mean, it's hard now just because you don't know what the roster is going to look like <laughs> tomorrow exactly. or even in a week. But I'd say like 74, 74 and 88, I think that would be. It's kind of my expectation at this time. I'm going to tell you what, Bobby, I, I think the Reds are going to come out and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling feeling really good with going with about 76 wins. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm not. I don't feel qualified to, to make a prediction because I predicted the Bengals to win three games last year. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the equivalent of that would be like 
saying they're going to win, you know, 50 games or something like that. And hopefully they'll be way better than that. But honestly, I'm not sure how much better than that. When you think about their pitching staff, though, their starting pitching really isn't really isn't that bad. I mean, they've got a decent. uh Oh, what do we do? You still there? Got me. Sorry about that. Something popped up. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Oh, their starting pitching staff really isn't that bad. Uh, so, so I mean, you can win games depending on how long he lets some of those guys go. Obviously, the bullpen, you know, we've been at it before where you've got a great starting pitching staff, and when it gets to the bullpen, everybody's crossing their fingers and toes and everything else they can cross, hoping that something goes right. But having a good starting pitching staff and, I mean, their infield can hit outside. I mean, you don't know where, where Barrero's going to be really, but we know Naquin can carry a team for a week if he needs to. So there's, I, I feel pretty good about this team not being in the cellar, though, the, you know, of the of the central. Yeah, I mean, I think the way I was describing it to someone the other day, like there's always a wave of injuries at some point during the season. I think that's going to crush them. Like when injuries hit, they don't have the depth that they used to. That's going to, um, you know, put the season in the tank. But I do think there will be like a month where the Reds are going to have a great month just because, like, you'll see India play really well. You'll see Vado do well. The starting rotation, like you said, you know, if they build a few starts up together, um, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if there's, like, by June they're still hovering around 500 and then injuries hit and then the season goes down the hill. Um, but I do think they're capable of playing, like, short spurts, you know, high-quality baseball. I just think it's with the depth where they're at, the bullpen, um, you, it's not going to be sustainable for 162. I think they'll win. I think they'll win 78 or even 80 games if Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green are co-rookies of the year in the National League yeah. and uh, and Votto's the MVP. There you go. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I will all say, right. like, so, last year, last year the rookies, I mean, they all – I mean, India won rookie of the year, but, like, Santillan, when he came up, looked good. Gutierrez. Um, you know, a lot of those guys performed well as rookies. Um, yeah. not just India. I mean, that, that was it. That's a good sign when those guys come up and they're ready to go. Yeah, I totally agree. So the only thing we have left to do here before we let you go is our Mount Rushmore this, this week. Did you tell them about it? Do you know about the Mount Rushmore? Did you have time to think about it? This is a tough one. This is all I thought about all day. <laughs> that's that's today. So it is the Mount Rushmore of colors just colors like the rainbow or whatever um so bobby would you like to go as our guest would you like to go first what are your your top four colors well i want to i want to go you guys go first because i i I have two different theories on how this could have gone and so i want to see what you guys do and see if i followed your lead or not well well to answer your question right up front yes black counts as a color white counts as a color all shades of gray, anything that people tell you is not a color is a color in this one. In the Nosebleed Sports Podcast, we accept anything that is a shade or whatever as a color. Yeah. Well, see, this is what I was considering is, like, do you want the four to, like, match? You know what I mean? Do you want, like, it to be a, an accentuated four? Or Listen, is just talking, like, you're talking about four like different brick presidents? Red, like, brick red, bright red. Uh, in forest green, seafoam green, that yeah. kind of stuff. No, no, this is your Mount Rushmore colors. This is your favorite colors. I mean, it could be 
poop green and and scarlet orange and scarlet orange scarlet red or scarlet's red right yeah yeah uh it could be anything anything you want it to be okay there are no limitations on the nosebleed sports podcast mount rushmore segment but if you want us to go first i'm jump on bub black's my favorite color uh, and then I've got gray. I don't know what that says. I got a such dark a soul, maybe. Bland. <laughs> You're such a bland person. I got just the dark guy. Uh, black, gray, purple, which I, I'm well represented with my shirt today. Uh, and then my fourth, it's either it's between white and red. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go red for the Cincinnati Reds. Those go. are my four. All right, so my uh, mine very similar. Blue's my favorite color has been since I was a kid. Uh, the old Musketeers, and I, you know, I thought about taking this into a different direction and going like, uh, like with the the colors that have the names that you can't even pronounce. I was gonna go through the the one twenty four crayon box. Oh, time out before we start. Oh, here we go. Crayon or crayon or crown? Crayon. Thank oh you. Thank you. Oh, you mean you pronounce it correctly? Oh, good job, Bobby. <laughs> I get made fun of all the time because I call it a crayon. Potato, potato, man. How's it spelled? I don't how know. do you spell crayon? I don't know. How do you spell, how do you spell uh, uh, xylophone? There's an X at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you, how do you spell lamb? Lamb, it's not lamb, but it's just a lamb. There's a lamb over there. Just because I just... I just don't pronounce the O. It's a crane. With a Y? <laughs> That's A Y N. C R A Y. Crane. Crane. Crane be C R A N. Anyway, like your like your favorite <laughs> berry is cranberry. All right. All right. So blue, blue, uh, my Xavier Musketeers. Uh, I've been a, a fan of the color blue my entire life. Uh, number two, I have orange. I like orange and black in anything. And I don't know if it's because of the Bengals. But I like, I don't know what it is about orange and black. But like if I'm going somewhere, I've got I got a I've got four or five orange hats and orange shirts that you know I'll wear black, orange, black hat, black shorts, orange t-shirt, or switch it up. I love orange. Uh, red for the Cincinnati Red Legs. And I'm with you, Buck. Purple for my Panthers. Okay. I don't have purple, so I hope elder people don't uh, attack me. Uh, you'll be all right. You work with enough of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure this uh, gets <laughs> My four. Orange? Yes. Red? Uh -oh. Not pandering to the Reds crowd, but I'm, I, I like red. Uh, dark blue, or you almost think it's black, but it's blue. Oh, the real dark navy. I like That's, that. That yeah. would be my fifth, by the way. I like that one. And then I'll go uh, Kelly Green. I love it, Kelly Green. I think that's the official color of the Boston Celtics, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the in the almost black, that's like my my favorite. My wife hates it because she doesn't think you can wear navy blue and black. But I wear my Boston Red Sox hat all the time with a black T-shirt, and she can't stand it. I. I can't tell the difference. It looks basically black <laughs> to me. So I don't know the difference, but she can't stand it. I like those, Bobby. Those are good, man. Those are good. Thank oh. you. I thought Very all day good. on it. So 
<laughs> you're, you're, you had to push your deadline back for a story. Right, right for, exactly. There you go. All right, Bobby. Uh, well, then, last question before we leave. Who's Xavier Basketball's new head coach? Uh, oh, no, no. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. See, I, I assume they're going to go a Xavier guy. But if it was me, I'd go uh, Denzel Valentine, the Loyola coach. Oh, like Up and that. Summer, former player. Yeah, I didn't realize Denzel Valentine was their coach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've been paying attention. I kind of liked him as a player. Yeah. Anyway, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, BJ McKee. BJ McKee. I've heard his name out there. What was the other guy I was looking for earlier? I mean, besides Sean Miller, Pat Kelsey, guys like that. I mean, Pat Kelsey. I would love to see Pat Kelsey there. Elder guy and Xavier guy. That'd get any better than that right there. That'd get any better than that. My number one pick. Sean Miller, though. Have you ever in your life seen a college basketball coach leave a program and then come back? Did Patino do that? No, because he was at Kentucky, and then he left Kentucky. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yes, probably not, right? I mean, unless, like, a small school, not like a Xavier level, but like a true small school. Yeah, yeah, D2, something like that. Or junior, I mean, yeah, something like that. But I don't know, man. I can't see Sean Miller doing it. But apparently he's been – He's there's there's rumors he's been spotted on campus. He's the number one coaching candidate out there. As long as all that FBI baggage is behind him. That's the big thing. I'm totally in, man. I'll bring him back. I don't know why he'd want to come back to Xavier after getting all that money from Arizona. He ain't going to make that here, that's for sure. Well, he's not making any right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. So the, the the true very last question, I'm sorry to, to to add another one here. Your pick for NCAA champ. Ah, I like that. Uh, see, Gonzaga is the popular team, so I don't want to pick them. Uh, Arizona's got flaws. I'm trying to, th- I mean, they all have flaws. I might go Kansas, <laughs> or no, I'll go Baylor. I'll go Baylor repeat. Ooh, okay. Baylor repeat. Uh, they're missing uh, two of the top five uh, scores right now, aren't they? I know they're missing at least one guy. Yeah, they're not sure if he's – but, I mean, they've been missing him for a while. I think he's missed the last six or seven games at least, something yeah. like that. So, uh, But they're really good defensively and stuff. I, that's not a bad pick. I like it's it. Not a bad pick at all. I like it. All right, Bobby. Hey, I'm sure you got a FaceTime. To, the, oh, no, she's asleep by now. Did you get the yeah, FaceTime exactly. before she went to bed at least and say goodnight? I, didn't, oh, I had to do this. I, I couldn't. Oh, you guys are my priority. Don't do that. To, don't put that on us. Don't put that on us. Oh, All right. Our deepest apologies to your wife and daughter. And daughter. Absolutely. Uh, Bobby, once again, man, we appreciate everything you do when you come on. You're so gracious with your time. Uh, I look forward to talking to you throughout the season. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully it's not as busy as this week, but uh, yeah. always enjoy being on here. Thank you very Thank much, you man. so much, Bobby. Appreciate it. Have a good one, buddy. Yeah, same to you guys. All right. See you. The Bobby, Bobby Nightingale, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what. That guy right there, he uh so gracious with his time. He is uh, – he's – he's a uh, – and he's a good – he knows so much, and he's so – the best part about him when he's talking about the Reds is he's not like a diehard Reds fan. So when he tells you that something kind of disappointed him or he didn't understand something, 
that's coming from the perspective of an outsider who follows the team to follow the team, which is the best thing for a fan to hear. So, you know, when you're just being a fanboy, or if you're, or if what you're, what you're saying is, is what everybody else would be thinking too. So his, his reasoning is not clouded by bias. Yeah. He's yeah. He's an objective, an objective kind of third party sort of, sort of thing. Now I'm sure he has, I think we were talking about that. I'm sure you, you get, you develop some relationships and stuff and you kind of have a little attachment to the team because of that, because you're around them every day, but you're right. He didn't grow up here. He didn't watch the Reds for the first 20, whatever years of his life. Um, I agree. I agree. He's, he's always excellent. Does a great job on Cincinnati.com, by the way. Check oh, out, subscribe. Didn't talk about his tweet box, uh, his Twitter or anything either. Man, at, at, at Nightingale JR. At Nightingale JR. Follow him on Twitter. Um, I gotta stop pointing. Put your hands down. Um, <laughs> follow him on Twitter. Check out, subscribe. It's really cheap to subscribe to Cincinnati.com. Get the app on your phone. It's like $2 a month or a dollar or $3. $3. Something uh, like that. They're, they're, I mean, it's 10 bucks. It's $3 is the when you first subscribe, and then it jumps to 10 after six months or something like that. But still, they 10 bucks is deals. Yeah, they, you always have deals. I got. I have the, the whole week-long paper for $17 with, with an online subscription. It costs me $17 a month. So, I mean... And I get to have a physical paper in my hand, which is my favorite thing in the entire world. I kind of miss that. I, I love it. it. I love it. Well, I, once in a while, I'll go. I'll be at the store, and I see like a little stack. It used to be they used to have stacks yep. and stacks. Now they've got a little stack, and it's like somebody, you know, two people buy a paper a day, probably. Yeah. Uh, once in a while, I think about grabbing one. But um, anyway, thank you so much to Bobby Nightingale. Awesome stuff as always, and he's always cool about joining us with the uh, with the Mount Rushmore stuff. I love that they get into the Mount Rushmore. Him and uh, Adam Baum, Baum. Ah, we talked about this. Baum, Baum. Him and Adam Baum <laughs> both uh, do a great job of, of of helping of getting into the getting into the Mount Rushmore and the little silly things that we do here on the podcast when they join us. So hopefully the sound is good because. We couldn't get the sound to work in the beginning, so we have no microphones. We're just talking into an iPad right now. You know what? There are some professional podcasts with people with producers and sound guys and stuff, and, and they do it this way too sometimes. So I think we're stuff. okay. All right. We're going to be all right. Um, all right. So we have our next thing. You know what? I, I feel like we were talking about this at the end with Bobby. Maybe we should go right into the Xavier thing. I just want to ask you some questions okay. because – Travis Steele, and look, for people who are not from Cincinnati, listening to this from other parts of the country and the world, this might not be exciting for you, but Xavier basketball, which, Chris, the reason the wall is blue behind us is because of Xavier basketball. Chris wow. is a lifelong season ticket holder. And um, and Travis Steele, their coach, uh, was uh, mutually agreed to part ways. Mutually agreed to part ways. And, and I, I tell you, because we've been talking about it, no, no, no Xavier coach has ever been fired. He was fired today. Do you think so? Well, if what? they mutually agreed to part ways, that means you were going to get fired, but you said, you know what, I quit. And then, then you say, you know what? Okay, I guess we both agree that you're no longer the coach. Guess what? Guess what? Chris Mack got fired. They mutually agreed to s- split ways. I think so. 
they were going to fire Chris Mack at the end of the season anyway, and he knew it. So they successful coach ever at this. Well, okay. At Louisville? No. At, oh, at Louisville. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about when he was at Xavier. No, no, no. Okay. I was like, I've never left Xavier's Louisville. never fired a head coach since well, I've been alive. Well, look, they still haven't. Well, because they, they immediately this dude's fired. Away. Steve, Travis Steele got fired. Just like okay. Chris Mack got fired at Louisville. Mutually depart. Guess what? If you mutually, if the school, that means the school doesn't want you to coach for them anymore. You got fired. There was some, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of crazy stuff behind the scenes. I think that was happening in Louisville. I would not be You're. I agree with you almost every time when somebody says that that's the case, they were fired. From what I understand, there's some stuff at Louisville that Chris Mack was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Well, so and, maybe it was a little more. And he lost the team too. The team was going on, was having interviews, basically saying, eh, they didn't, they didn't want to play for the coach in any, not in no specific words, but that's basically how the kids' interviews were going. I mean, he was, he had lost the team. Okay, so maybe, so yeah, maybe that that was, uh, maybe he basically plus, fired. like you said, it's Louisville, man. That. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So, you know, I'm not saying Mac was Mac is a Mac is an angel when it comes to that stuff, but maybe he was maybe he was like, mm, I don't know if I'm prepared to go that far. Yeah, I got you. Um, That's all speculation. I yeah. apologize. I, no, I, so my question is it was a little surprising. It was a little surprising that Travis Steele, at least to me and to some some other people that I that I heard talk about it, uh, that he was fired. Not super surprising because, the, again, I need to stop even talking about the fan base on Twitter, but they've been going nuts the last few weeks, the last couple of weeks, especially the last week, the way the season ended, about him maybe not being the best fit anymore for Xavier. The biggest question for me is why right now when they just won their first round NIT game and they're getting ready to play again Sunday, does that – because it's the NIT, is it like who cares? It doesn't matter when it happens. Or it's just weird to me that they only have, at best, another two weeks to play basketball. That's the biggest thing to me is that's what surprised me. I, I, I kind of felt Steele was getting fired. I mean, his February for his four years is horrible. Just to go over this, so one, two, three, four – Five, six, seven, eight. They lost eight of their last 10 games before they beat Cleveland State the other day. And that is not a good Cleveland State team. I mean, they're good enough to make the NIT, so it was good for them. But that is not a team that Xavier should just barely squeak by, and they barely squeaked by. They did not play a very good game. They've lost eight out of their last 10 but going into that game. He had lost the fan base. He had lost the team. Four straight years not going to the NCAA tournament is unacceptable. Especially for, yeah, especially for where Xavier got. Where Xavier was, I mean, from the time I started watching, I can't remember a time that we missed four straight. I mean, there was a point in time where we went to like seven out of ten Sweet 16s. Like, we were as, as I mean, for the last 30 years, we have been a staple in the NCAA tournament until the last four years. And I think that's the biggest part. Now, him being fired right now after a win in the NIT, 
the only thing that makes sense is they got rid of him so they can start. There's coaches out there right now that are available that they need to go out and try to get that they they believe they have a chance at and they want to go make bids at and they can't do it. You can't talk to a guy, a coach like, hey, what do you think? If I get rid of my guy, will you come? You know what I mean? It's that's not a good way to go up to him. It's like, listen, we got rid of him now because I think you're our guy. That's a totally different conversation. And it makes somebody feel like you believe in them. And that's why something happened. So that's my thought process. Who that guy is, I don't know. That's my next question. So early, like almost right away, the big name is Sean Miller. Everybody's talking about He's Sean the number Miller. one coaching prospect out there right now for anyone. You also have another guy that's available, probably a little less likely because it's still pretty new, is Chris Mack. Chris Mack is, is not working right now. He's a really, really, really good coach. The most successful coach at Xavier. Yeah, Pat Kelsey. We talked about that last week and this week. That's our favorite pick, I would say. Um, he had this was his first year at Charleston, and they weren't too great yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to get his guys in there and get his his everything established there. Um, I think they're going to be. The, he took Winthrop to another level. I think he'll do that at Charleston, but he's still, like you said, he's a Cincinnati guy. Played at Xavier, long, you know, coached under Mac, coached with, uh, coach under Prosser, big ties dips. And is a great coach. A lot of people talk about him as one of the best young coaches yeah. in the game. Um, besides those three, and I, if Mac's even a, an option that anybody's going to talk about, anybody else? I mean, Jonas Hayes has taken over for now for the rest of this, right? That's his name, right? Jonas Hayes, yeah. Um, he's taken over for the rest of the NIT. Any chance that he is looked at? Because uh, they usually hire from within. Right? They, I mean, that's they, for as long as I've been around, outside of Thad Mata, they have always hired from within. Sean Miller was an assistant under, um, under Skip Prosser. Um, if I'm not mistaken, or he was an assistant under Thad Mata. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. But but once again, hired from within. He was he was under Fanmata. You got Mac who was under Sean Miller. You got Mac who was under Skip Prosser. You had Mac who was a Xavier player. You had Steele that was under both Sean Miller and he was like a video coordinator or something like that, or manager or something. And he was under Chris Mack, obviously. Um, Jonas Hayes, I'd be fine with that. If Dante Jackson, I, I Dante Jackson is a name that I'm surprised I haven't heard it yet. Me too. The thing about Dante Jackson is him and Travis Steele were close. So when you fire a guy like that in the middle, what does that do to a guy like Dante Jackson? But he's a Xavier guy, right? He played at Xavier, you know, four-year starter, uh, well, three-year starter, came off the bench, played a lot his freshman year. But um, so I don't, I don't know how that, how that feels in his gut. Then again, you know, the, the way, the type of guy Travis Steele is, he's probably like, listen, don't you worry about me, man. Dante, you get an opportunity to take this, go get it. Jonas Hayes is a big Georgia Bulldog guy. And from what I understand, Georgia might be in the in the mix of looking for a coach this year as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got an opportunity at a place like Georgia or, or found himself getting closer to something like that. All his stuff on – it's all Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Falcons and, and Georgia Bulldogs, and, and that's his whole – everything on his twi- Twitter is all about that. Um, so – 
I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, this, it's hard. This is the one time I feel like Xavier as a, a in the A-10, you know, they're in the MCC. Uh, they, they had Pete Gillen in the MCC. They, they get to the A-10 under Skip Prosser, um, who was under Gillen before that. They get, um, they go to, to Fad Mata and Sean Miller and all, all these young guys in the A-10. And then they get to the Big East under Chris Mack. And they hire from within, and it didn't work. They're in the Big East now. And that almost makes me feel like it's time to get away from the Xavier way or hiring from within and keeping the culture. Maybe it's time to go after a proven coach. The thing is, is two of the top five coaches out there right now are Xavier guys. We're Xavier guys. So you could do both by going with a Mac or a or a uh, Miller. or Miller or a Pat Kelsey who has proved himself as a division one college basketball coach yeah. and is a Xavier guy. So you can still keep that Xavier culture, the Xavier way, but go after a proven commodity. That's what I'd like to see. That's what I like to see. The it's problem the is, is the pay. It's the money and it's the money. I mean, it would it would be a step up. That would be a step up for Kelsey for sure. Uh, I yep. would imagine it would be hundred um, percent big step backwards. I'm sure for Sean Miller and for for Chris Mack, but neither of them are coaching right now. I'm sure they'd like to be coaching. And I, from what and I it's a, they all, they and it's a power play. conference. You you yeah. have I mean, in football you got the power five, in basketball you have the power six, right? I mean, Big East is a basketball conference, and you got Villanova, and, and this year Providence, who somehow is a four seed, and Nova's a two seed. And Providence is the best team in the Big East. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Um, but, I mean, there's there's good teams that come out of this. It's not like Villanova is Gonzaga and they're in some, you know. I mean, we've get, we get six or seven teams in the, in the tournament out of ten every year consistently. We're, we're as good as any of we get. When we play the Big Ten, when we play the uh, Big 12 or SEC, I think it's the SEC or Big Ten and those little things that we do with them, Pre, you know, early exhibit, not exhibition, but early season games. The Big East, ninety percent of the time, wins that series. Maybe not wins ninety percent of the games, but they win the series mm-hmm. against us. So I, I feel like they're just as big. So, is it moving that far back? Maybe pay wise for a guy like Sean Miller, but you're still going to play in a really good conference. You'd play really good competition. You've got another Hall of Fame head coach. That's going to be better than you anyway. But, I mean, I, tell me if I'm wrong. Jay Wright is a better coach than Sean Miller. Yeah. I'll right? So. Yeah. so you're not going to be the best coach in the league no matter right. who you bring in. Right. So it's not like you're like, oh, well, I'm big time here. I'm, I am the best coach in the Big East. You're not going to be the best coach in the Big East no matter who we bring. That's, so, yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's all I got. I, I, I was to support what, you, what you're saying there. I was hearing Rick Roaring talk about that earlier today is if you bring in a guy like they even mentioned Cleveland state's coach, um, you yeah. know, like a young guy, that's another one of those kind of Pat Kelsey type guys, yep. a young up and coming coach that everybody's impressed with, but is still a little green. Um, you bring in a guy like that. Nice, nice hire, but Jay Wright's not worried about you. Nope. He's not worried about Xavier. He's not worried about you. If you bring in a guy like Sean Miller or Chris Mack, Jerry Wright's like, ooh, okay. 
Mm-hmm. All right, so Xavier's going to be back with us now. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, and, and I'm sure there are probably names that I'm not – I can't think of right now. Other guys that are maybe close to that level of a Sean Miller or a Chris Mack or whoever the best available guys are. Um, and and we may see. It would be fun to see Xavier hire. I love that about Xavier, that they always stick with their guys – Anybody with ties and everybody, anybody that's been coaching in that system, in that order, you know, at the school for a while. I like that. I think you're right, though. You got to go for the biggest you have established because you've had so much success over the last 20, 25, 30 years. You have made yourself what used to be thought of maybe in the MCC as a mid-major. Even as the A-10. They were mid-major in the A-10. Yes. Once you got, once you dominated the A-10 enough times and got in the Big East and played really well and won the Big East once or twice, right? Once, once. Um, now you're a now you're a major basketball school, and that you ha- if you want to maintain that you have got you don't want to end up in the middle to bottom part of the Big East every year. I think you've got to go for the biggest hire you can possibly get. I totally agree. The problem is the money. We're not a we're not a, a a state school. We're not Arizona. We're not North Carolina. We're not uh, UConn. We don't have the money to pay that kind of that right. We've got a sponsor. The guy who owns Tome City Ice, the the head coach of Xavier basketball, his title is the Settler Family Head Xavier Basketball Head Coach. That's his title. That's how he's announced on during. Like, that's how they announce him. The Settler family uh, head basketball coach for the Xavier Musketeers. Because they pay such a huge part of his salary that they get to name it that. That they're like, hey, I'm going to pay, you know, four, $3 million of his salary, of his $4 million salary. Guess what? You're going to call it the Settler family head coach. But that's the point is, is without that, Obviously, they can't afford to pay a guy like that. So, well, the reason that they can pay for that is because of the great work you did while you were working at Home City Guys. Oh, well, they they lost money on me. <laughs> they lost money on me. <laughs> I cost I cost our, I cost the uh, Settler family more money than they ever paid me in that six months that I that I drove a truck for them flying. They slipped it. <laughs> they seem to be okay. Yeah, they'll, they'll be all right. right. They'll be all right. <laughs> They're still cleaning up ice out on uh, Route 50 <laughs> on the way out to Versailles. Oh, God. Thank God you're here with us right now. <laughs> because that was a crazy, that was a crazy day. Um, all right. So that's we got to leave Xavier basketball at that. But stay in, in college basketball because we are going to – we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because – the best part about this, I mean, there are a million basketball shows with all the experts and everything. Watch those. We're going to tell you our who are we, we think our final four is and our champion is. Yep, I like it, and and I'm going to let you start it off. I I didn't write this down, so I got to kind of go back over it. I got to tell you because of the fact Xavier has not been in the in the NCAA tournament in four years. Remember, I am. You guys know this. I am a seven, eight, nine bracket kind of guy. So, I, I fill a ton of brackets out. The this will be the second straight year I only will fill out one bracket. Wow! Second so, straight year. So far, I'm on five and one women's. I, I filled out. A Did women's. you do a women's? Yeah, good for you. Yep. Um, okay, so my final four 
and I'm just going to randomly pick one of the five that I'm, that I, because I, I try to fill them out a little bit differently uh, yeah. every time. Yeah, of course. I'm going this, oh boy, this is so boring. It's so boring when you just pick a bunch of number ones. Uh, I'm going Gonzaga. Okay. Baylor, which is Bobby's pick to win it. Uh, Villanova, who you just said is a horrible basketball team, the worst basketball team in the Big East. I, I did not say that. Oh, um, Providence would beat them by by 30 or 40, I think you said. Uh, Villanova and Kansas. Okay. I like um, that. Do you want to give us your uh, champion? I will. And I will tell you that I don't feel confident about any four of those. This has been such a wide open season. Yeah. We've had a bunch of numbers. Same thing happened last year. Arizona and Gonzaga have kind of held their own at the top, but they both have lost in the same week. Yep. Yep. A bunch of other Auburn lost and then lost like four of their next six. I mean, there are 10 or 12 teams, I think, that could be yep. maybe not that many, but close to it that could legitimately win a national championship. Um, because nobody, I don't, I don't think, is dominant. I'm, I'm putting Gonzaga and Villanova in the championship game, and then uh, I'm going to go Gonzaga. I, I just I, – I'll be honest, that's a heart pick. Yeah, you love the pick. Zags. Yeah, I love Mark Few and the Zags. I, I, I like that. I'm good with that. I, I need I need it to be – I need them to win one, and I need it to be this. So I'm going to tell you this. Out of the West, I'm going to take Duke. There's something about this Coach K final team – uh, that I really, I, I once again, it's a hard thing, man. I want as much as you can hate Duke all you want. There's something special about Coach. This being Coach K's last term. I mean, that's special, right? Every game is going to mean so much. And when they played North Carolina uh, in his last home game, that was they they lost, and and he came out and got on the mic and was apologizing. They never should have lost. And I think that team, they were up by, by five, I think, at halftime. And North Carolina, they, they gave North Carolina the, you know, the chance to go, shoot, only five and a half, man. They, should, you know, they came out and did their thing. So maybe the emotion got too much. Maybe they couldn't play through the emotion, however you want to call it. Hopefully they figure that part out. I, I feel good about Coach K and Duke coming out of the West. Um, now, out of the East, Directly below it, that's a tough one. I think Baylor's got – with Baylor's injuries, and I'm not going to lie to you, there's a little, this, this is a little foreshadowing, but I, I like this Kentucky team. I think they've got some really, really good talent. And that transfer from West Virginia, Shahibi, she, she – can't say his name because I don't – Shibway, I think. Yeah, Shibway, Shibway. That transfer from West Virginia is a dominant big man. Love he is really fun to watch, um, and I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take Kentucky. So I got two number two seeds. Um, continuing on to the bottom right bracket in the Midwest, I'm going Kansas. I really like this Kansas team. I think they can play with anybody. They they obviously continue their dominance over everyone in the Big Twelve. It's they're the Villanova of the Big East. They're they're, they're I should say Villanova is the Kansas. For the Big East, to, to the Big Twelve. Um, so, I mean, there, I have a lot of upsets that I would take, but in the end, I'm going with another number two seed in the Final Four with the Villanova Wildcats. Something about the way Jay Wright coaches when he gets here, man. I, it, they've got enough talent. They're not the best. It's not the best Nova team he's ever had, but they've got talent. 
and the way is the way parity is, I'll take them. So I've got Nova, Kansas, Kentucky, and Duke. Kentucky and Duke playing in the final four. How great is that? Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. I have, I work with so many Kentucky fans <laughs> that I will sometimes just randomly shoot a text to some of them with a picture of Christian Lakner just to ruin their day. <laughs> just to ruin their day. Boy, I've never seen people hate a person as much as Kentucky fans. I could see. Hate Christian Lakner. Yeah, well, I do too, although I'm not a Kentucky fan. Well, there you go. All right, so in that game, as much as I hate to do it, I'm going with Coach K, man. Coach K is going to the national championship in his last year, uh, and I'm going to take Kansas. It'll be Kansas and Kansas and Duke, and I'm taking Coach K to go all the way, win the very last game he ever coaches, and hold the trophy high for his seventh, sixth, sixth national championship in. 527 years he's been at Duke. I love it. I hope you're right. I would love to see that. Love Coach K. I know a lot of people don't, and a lot of people hate Duke, and I, I don't I don't hate Duke. I like Duke. Uh, I would love to see that. It would be yeah. awesome. And I'll tell you what, in another another bracket that I filled out, I had Kentucky winning the whole thing. I'm right there with you. In another bracket I filled out, it might have even been that one. I had all four number two seeds, which, by the way, a number two seed has not made it to the championship game in like five years or something like that really yeah um wow but uh and then a number a number one seed has been at least in the final four of the championship game every year for the last five or something like that um just saw those two things today uh so anyway look we're recording this on a wednesday night tomorrow is ncaa tournament thursday i mean I, I structured my week for work around this yeah, so that I can work, make sure I work from home both Thursday and Friday this yep. week. And, uh, but, you know, I certainly won't be watching any games until all of my work is completed. Absolutely. And I'm off because I definitely, you know, I'm going to make sure I uh, take care of it. Of course, of course. No, of course. Of course, of course, of course. Um, all right. So speaking of Mr. Ed, I, uh, Speaking of Mr. Yeah. Ed, <laughs> uh, nobody's going to get that reference. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. You got it, but nobody else watching will, uh, except my dad. He'll, he'll get it. Yep. He watches. Um, shout out, Dad. I think we have one more thing, right? We have one more thing. We have Mr. Ryan Long, uh, White Immigrant. That's the name of the, the comedy special on YouTube. Yep. So if you watch this guy, if you watch his like YouTube channel that he's got, this dude talks about it all. So if you have, if you are woke or whatever they call it these days, if, if you've got it and you if if you get offended by uh, stepping over the line comedy, not towing the line, stepping over the line comedy, then you'll be offended by this and don't watch it. If you can take a joke and you realize when somebody's joking, I could not suggest this this comedy special enough speaking of going over the line before we talk about this i'm seeing mark norman in person this weekend nice. I, I gotta make sure to tell you about it uh we'll talk about that next week absolutely absolutely we'll talk about that next week so another new york guy ryan long he's a canada guy he's from canada, from canada. yep from canada in new york uh a lot of white a lot of white 
uh, white talk, black, you know, a lot of, he talks about white people and stuff a lot. He talks, he has some really, he does a really funny thing about uh, for the boys and, you know, some, some silly stuff that way. Some like fake misogynistic stuff. Fake misogynistic, fake racist. It's, it's all, none of it is real. Like you have to understand, you can understand when you hear him, he's not being real. He's like, it's, it's all sarcasm and he's pretty, his timing, his timing is pretty good. He's, he's, he's not bad. So, you know, we, I always look at some of these and it's like, all right, man, that joke could have been a little bit better if you just didn't rush. Right. And I kept feeling like at times he was starting to rush, but I, I think he did, he did everything the way he needed. I thought it was pretty well put together. Um, how I, I didn't write anything down of the jokes, but, uh, I, I can tell you that I laughed pretty hard quite a few times. Good. Uh, this was a surprise for me. Uh, I never heard of the guy. I, haven't, I, I feel like I've seen him. He looks like, he looks like, uh, Bam Margera. Like, uh, yeah, you're right. He looks like Bam Margera, uh, with lighter hair. So that was, you know, for me, that's what the first thing I saw when I saw him. Good call. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, he, he's hilarious. Uh, I gave it a 4.3. Wow. I went pretty high on this. But listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you can't take a joke, don't watch it. There's no point. Because he's a lot of racial sarcasm. There's a lot of misogynistic sarcasm. It, it, but it's sarcasm, right? It's not, it's not real. It's not real. And if you can't laugh at some of that stuff, then don't watch it. But if you are able to laugh at it because you know it's just a joke, oh, some a ton of gay stuff in there. Talks a lot. Talks a lot of gay stuff, which is to me is hilarious. I don't I like when somebody jokes about themselves and and can make you know gay jokes about themselves as well as you know other stuff and I He's just—he does such a—he does—he does a really good job. He did a really good job. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, okay, so I have—I uh, <laughs> have a bunch of stuff to say about this. So, yeah. you—the the number one thing I just want to start with this: the number one thing that jumped out at me about this whole special, the very first graphic, the very first credit at the end when it was when it was over. The very first word of the first graphic was spelled incorrectly. Well, that was jumped it? out. It's written. It had one T in it. It was written, edited, uh, written, edit, directed, and edited by Ryan Long. W R I T E N. I I noticed immediately. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. Oh, that made crazy. He edited he lost, that. He lost all credibility. He edited that because the editing's terrible. Every once in a while, they sh- they throw to this side camera, and there's a waitress standing in front of it holding drinks. Why did you jump to that camera? Go. He had five cameras set up. Stop going to the camera when there's a waitress standing in front of it. Yeah, he he, he definitely did. And I think he does this for all his, his videos that he makes too, his skits and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. His man on the street stuff. Uh, anyway, besides that, this was about 45 minutes long. I'll be honest, the first 30 minutes of this thing, I was like, eh. Was really? Okay. Oh, man. The last 15 got me going. Yeah. The last 15, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was the mood I was in, maybe some, I don't know, maybe I ate a cookie at the 30-minute mark or something like that. Something got me going. 
and uh, I wrote some things down, and I definitely laughed. Uh, he, he, did, he did something that reminded me of a Zach Galifianakis joke, actually. It was very simple, but he just said, have you guys been keeping up with this COVID-19 thing? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. um, this, this is so funny. He said he started a group. Uh, it's called, uh, it's a woke group. It's called Whites Against Whites. <laughs> it's like, no black people allowed. No obviously. black people allowed, obviously. <laughs> that's, the, that you, that's the racial sarcasm. Like, oh. come on. Like, don't get upset with him because he said that. Right, that's so funny. that's a good one though. <laughs> a woke, a woke group, whites against whites, no black. That's that's <laughs> funny. That's funny. That's really funny. And then so there was, I think, this woman from India in the crowd, and he's like, uh, he was like, you know, talking to her for a second, and he's like, you know, India has the highest rate of domestic violence, uh, but before you judge her people, <laughs> they also have the highest rate of their wives misbehaving. So <laughs> yeah. So sort of a chicken and egg thing. <laughs> that, that tag at the end, so sort of a chicken and egg thing really got me. It was perfect. The Egyptian thing, the Egyptian, uh, when he goes, what are you, what are you, what are you like, got a little Greek or something going on? And the guy's like, no, Egyptian. His girlfriend goes out, he's Greek too. That was hilarious because he didn't let that go for a minute. And he did a good little number with that and then came back to it when he was talking about kinky stuff that girls are into. He's like, ah, I'm going to have a Greek today. And then an Egyptian tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, the, the last part of this was really good for me. The first, I think just because the first two thirds of this thing, for some reason, just didn't hit me right. I gave it a 3.3. Ooh. I'm double thinking it now because. No, don't do that. Don't do it. Keep it. All right. We're, we're a bit, this is as far as, far as, as we've been, been in a long time. A point. A whole, uh, yep. I mean, a whole hop. A whole hop. A whole high. 3.3 highs and 4.3 for you. I'm glad you loved it though. Um, this guy, this guy is funny. He is funny. Um, and uh, you're right, he should get someone a little more professional to edit the thing and practice. <laughs> yeah, but probably. Yeah, but 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 well done by him. He's a funny guy. Um, so for next week, we have I think you have a comedy special. Yep. And I have a I've got to come up with something better than colors. I mean, that's hard to do. Um, wait a minute. Did I write? I thought I think I thought of something. Okay, so of course I forgot. I've got mine. I know what I'm gonna do for. Uh, I mean, I it, there was two of them on here that I wanted to go after, and I'm not going earthquake. Okay. I'm going Miss Pat. Y'all want to hear something crazy? Because if everybody knows, we talked about the Bert Kreischer, the cabin. And Miss Pat was the star of the show. Poor Kelly Cuoco was, oh, my God, that poor girl didn't know what hit her when she ended up with, with Miss Pat. Miss Pat had no problem oh. telling that little, that, little, that little rich white girl what she thought at all times. <laughs> Made Kelly Cuoco feel as uncomfortable, I bet, as she's ever felt in any situation. I'm sure. Um, and Miss Pat is not uncomfortable in it. Well, except when she's got to get wet. Yeah, when she's got to get they put her in a, on a float in yeah. the middle of the water or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that was, ah, I got to go back and watch that again. Hey, Ryan Seacrest. Oh, hey, look, Precious is here. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've never met each other, apparently. That's so great. It's Ryan, what you got, Ryan Seacrest? <laughs> so good. All right, so good, good. Miss Pat, that's on Netflix. Uh, Y'all want to hear something funny? So. I have to come up with a, 
I can't believe I forgot ahead of time. Um, okay, so we've done colors. Mm -hmm. We've done, we, it seems like we've done all the simple stuff. Um, but we haven't. There's a million, there's a million Mount Rushmore's out there that we just haven't thought of yet. I'm going uh, the Mount Rushmore of, I've got one in my head. I mean, it goes with it goes with the, the colors thing. You can do a Mount Rush Mount oh. Rushmore. Shh. Okay, Mount Rushmore of races. <laughs> Egyptian is number one on mine. Egyptian is number one. Uh, now I was gonna say shapes. See, I'm shapes. starting to get a little vague here. Man, there are yeah. so many. I mean, but how many? There, are, I feel like there are endless shapes. I mean, ah, oh boy. I mean, that would be. I gotta come, I gotta I gotta do something. Okay. Let me do the Mount Rushmore. You know, I'm thinking like I'm thinking about stores, like retail stores, but that's not you can't just do retail stores. That's that's way too broad. Mm -hmm. Um we've done restaurants, I'm sure. Yep. Uh we have done uh, we've done well, we've done fast food restaurants. I don't know that we've ever done like restaurants yeah i don't need very many real restaurants yeah <laughs> adam would go uh, skyline sky all oh, those are fast food i guess so. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah uh you know wild mics is one no um all right all right seriously now rushmore of let's go back to sports i'm going back to sports it's the easiest way to do it man it's the easy easiest way to go mount rushmore of Now I kind of want to do something with wrestling again. By the way, uh, our dearly, dearly departed segment starts right now. Okay. R.I.P. Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon. What? I did not hear Scott Hall kicked it, huh? Scott Hall kicked that it. Dude's been, that dude's been pushing the limit here for quite a while. I'll tell so. you. I'll tell you. <laughs> thought he was dead 10 years ago. God no, bless the man. But when my brother texted me yesterday and said, how about Scott Hall? I said, I'll be honest. thought he was already <laughs> <good."> <laughs> I've done already killed him probably once or twice. All right, that's a perfect cue for for me to come up with something <laughs> off my dumb brain. I can't think of a Mount Rushmore. Um, I'm going Mount Rushmore of '90s. Oh, I like it. '90s NBA NBA coaches coaches. Wow, wow, that's a good one. Well, Greg Popovich is one for you. I mean, we haven't even talked. How have I not talked about that? Congratulations. Congratulations, Pop. All right. Congratulations, Pop, on becoming the all-time right. winningest coach in NBA history. I've, I've been in heaven for the last few days just going through Twitter, looking at all the Spurs Twitter <laughs> stuff, all the videos, all the memories, all the, all the stuff when he's making fun of Tim Duncan, which he just did again. He said – and he said today I'd have reached it a lot a lot sooner if Timmy would have played better. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just such a funny guy, such an old grumpy guy, but such a funny guy. Yep, your typical uh, your typical Bill Belichick, uh, you know, horrible with the media, but super funny that everybody else, every everywhere else. So yeah, I love it. All right, so we're gonna go yeah. Miss Pat, and we're gonna go '90s NBA basketball coaches. Yep. That'll be it. I love it. We've uh, done coaches, just never 90s. Specifically 90s NBA. I like it. All right. Well, 
until next week, don't forget to turn your headlights on.